0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show. Uh, Great to be here. Fun show last night in San Antonio. We had to come back here to California uh, to do a podcast, and we're leaving uh, immediately to Dallas um, uh, with the good people of Titan Aviation uh, who have been helping us out, and I appreciate that. I have been flying private uh, recently, and I am sort of developing a problem. I, I don't... And here's the thing and I know this is <laughs> seems you know many of you have not had the experience of flying in a private plane and that's not my fault. <laughs> T- to be honest, it's not my fault. It's not, you know what I mean? You have things I don't have. Okay? Families, all that good stuff, <laughs> right? They're always nice, right? They always work out. But I'm pro- a proponent of family. I am. Even in the instance when, uh, you know, your kids are running around Arizona killing others. I still think, I still think a family is good even when you're doing drugs together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I've been flying private. Uh, My uh, jet broker, Dirk, takes uh, care of us. Um, But, you know, I'm learning lessons about pilots. You cannot engage these people in conversation. They will never, ever stop. Pilots will never, first of all, a friend of mine brought up a good point. They are the truck drivers of the sky. <laughs> no one cares about what – when they talk, when you're sitting in the plane and they go to speak, you roll your eyes. You can barely hear them. They try to make, like, a joke. You go. The only time you ever want to hear from a pilot is when things are getting funky, when there's turbulence, when there's weather, and they come on to go, hey, folks, we, this will be about another five minutes. Everything's fine. That's the only thing you ever want to hear from a pilot. Or if you've been sitting in a commercial flight and you're on the tarmac and you're ready to go and they go, hey guys, just a couple of routine safety checks. We're all clear. We're, uh, we're getting out of here. You know, the hold at Logan has been lifted. We're, we're on our way to Boston. That's the only time you want to hear. But in the private thing, they're right there. So occasionally you make the mistake of engaging them and I mean, number one, they get out of the seat. One of them gets out of the seat and comes back and starts asking you what it's like to be a comedian. One of them last <laughs> night, I swear, to one of them is out of the seat for a half hour just talking to us. The other one could have been dead, could have had a stroke, and no one would have known. He's in the back of the plane. He's a nice guy. And he's chatting, and then he, like, tells me, <laughs> I'm not trying to... I'm not ratting. I'll never say who this is, by the way. Um, But then he goes, hey, because you guys like aviation so much, which I, I don't even know that I do. I don't know that I do. I asked a few questions about it. I guess most people... And this is why rich people become pieces of shit, by the way. This is how it happens. Because you have enough of these experiences, and then you just start giving people the cold shoulder or or sing hey 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 man yeah i, I don't ca- i don't care but i'm trying to feign enthusiasm for well what is the what is the visual approach what how does that work and i do think it's cool i think flying's cool so i ask a few questions i mean 25 minutes and then he goes because then he he goes up there he comes back again and goes because you like aviation so much does anyone want to go up front <laughs> I'm like, what? So I'm with a couple of my idiot friends who are tinier or smaller than me. I'm like, I'm not going up front. I don't want to go up front. I don't like aviation that much. I don't want to go up front. I don't want to. My friends are up there taking photos. One of my friends hops in the seat and he's sitting in the seat of the jet, which is, by the way, they encourage this. <laughs> These pilots... in My idiot friend is in the seat. And then they're like, do you want to sit in a seat? I go, I can't fit in the seat. And I'm not going to be killed by my own fat 38,000 feet in the sky. Like my fat hits a button and we're dead now. And they have to to explain that? How mortifying that is? Well, he died because he was fat. Was it a heart attack? No. (laughs) He was taking a private plane from San Antonio late at night. He got in the, he got in the co-pilot seat in the cockpit. His gut touched a button and shut the hydraulics off, and now we're all dead. I mean, what? I was insane. Is that? Can you imagine the humiliation of that type of death? We're in a death spiral because I shut the engines off with my ass. I'm telling you, it's, it was crazy. But now I've learned now, I just, you don't, you can't speak to them. Mm -hmm. If they say anything, I'm going to learn a few lines of another language to just say. You know what I mean? Like a little Norwegian to just, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was wild. We like, we love our people that always hook us up and treat us well. But it's like, do you want to come up front? I'm like, what, what? Mm -hmm. That's not allowed. That can't be allowed. That's pro there's no way that's allowed. Maybe it is allowed. But I do love a private flight. I do. I love the little FBO, which is a little private airport. There's something nice about it, jet people. There's something nice about the people that take jets to a Jackson Hole. Uh, we met that lovely older woman who was yeah. taking a jet going to Jackson Hole to see a, a hockey tournament or a hockey tournament in Jackson Hole and she was just taking a jet. Mm-hmm. you know, and just a lovely old woman. <laughs> lovely old kind of, you know, fun Trump mom, you know, getting on that plane. Everyone is talking about the border. This is all I hear about now in the news is the border. And all I can say is, well, first of all, my initial thought is don't go. This is my initial thought. Like who are these people going to the border all the time? Like, why are you going? Like I've never even been, I gotta be honest with you. I don't even know where it is. Like, I don't even know where it is. I know that Doug Stanhope lives near it. And the closest I've ever got was Doug Stanhope's house. I have never gone to the border. I don't know where it is. What's the big deal? But now I've read about it. There are actually people that live there. There are like towns on the border Mm -hmm. of Mexico and the United States of America. There are caravans of migrants, large groups of people coming through the Mexican border. Some of them coming from uh, South America, Central America. And there's instability in some regions there, specifically Ecuador, right? They're popping off in Ecuador. So there's only going to be more, if you want to call them refugees. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they are refugees, but some of them are. Some of it is economic migration where people are coming to make a living, to make money. Um, But we don't have a border really now. We have this area where people are coming and there's nothing to be done. So now the federal government, which is our president, Joe Biden, uh, and is in a war. He's locked in a war with the state government of Texas. And I got to say, I probably support Texas here. I don't know what, I don't know what the war is. I imagine the war is the Biden administration uh, is 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 tying Texas's hands. Mm-hmm. They're they're not able to enforce the law, and because they're saying federal law supersedes state law, and they're saying that because Texas, if you remember, is is sending out um, people on horseback with whips to kind of wrangle you know which by by the way is their culture that is what they do <laughs> that is what they do this isn't like you know what i mean like they, that is what they do like i know we think co- the culture of texas is supposed to be like apples ai division moving to austin look at <laughs> we got a green juice no they're they're they rope mexicans down there with a horse <laughs> and a fucking whip that's what they do that's why they're a state they're not a state because Elon Musk moved Tesla to Texas, <laughs> they're not a state. Because my good friend Joe Rogan has a comedy club there, they are a state. Because when 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 things get going, they send out people on horseback to whip the Mexican, and some of them are Mexican. Some there are more Latinos in Texas than there are whites. There's a lot of Latino cow Mexican cowboys. Wrangling other types of Latinos, Mexicans and Central Americans. And it that is not my business, nor should it be yours. It seems like it's it's a it's a cultural thing that isn't, you know, it looks, it looks on the outside. It doesn't look great. The optics are bad because no one respects the Western way of life anymore. You understand, like, no one respects the, you know what I mean? The shoe leather kind of just, you know, like, getting the boots on, getting on the horse. People don't rope and ride the way they used to. People don't, but these are people that are enforcing the law in the way it has been enforced forever. Whipping and wrangling. And this is what's going on in Texas. You have people out there because the people are coming in illegally and they're breaking a law listen whether you like it or not that's what's happening and then the sheriff's in Texas or the Border Patrol I don't know who these people are I don't know who it is Walker Texas Ranger <laughs> I don't know but they're they're Rangers these are real live Texas law enforcement and they're on horseback and they're and they're doing what they do mm-hmm and it looks terrible to people that are living, like people in New York City, they read the New York Times, they open it and they go, I, so Mike, do you see what they're doing in Texas? They're whipping the Mexicans in Texas that are coming over the border." But this is just the way that they, they number one, they operate on horseback. Mm-hmm. They do. Now, the thing that they're using that... Um, what is it? It's a, what is it? What are they doing there with that? It's a whip, isn't it? But is it? Isn't it? Doesn't it serve another purpose as well? I heard this is what they're saying. It, right. Now get some of these photos up because it doesn't look great. I think they're lassoing the migrant. I don't think they're whipping them. They're doing a lasso, which is not easy. <laughs> that is a difficult thing to do, they're on horseback. Now, remember, the migrants are not just waiting to be lassoed, they're, run, they're running around and you are on horseback with the lasso. And it's gotta be big because m- much like a cartoon, you are lassoing lots of people. It's not just one person. Occasionally you lasso one person. You or there's maybe a little baby goes, you little lasso, get him. <laughs> you know, get a little toddler runs away from the group. You go boom, and that's easier. But if you're gonna do a big lasso, mm-hmm. you know, it's like um it's not easy. It's not easy, it's difficult. And this is their culture. What is this? The Rio Grande, the people coming out of the Rio Grande? Uh, yes. These are, and these are, they were using the reins. The reins of the horse. Yes, as they were, they're loosening them out and then, I guess. And them. then whipping the migrant. That's what it looked like, yeah. But they're saying that they weren't whipping the migrant. But listen. How else? And I'm not saying that we should whip people. But there's got to be some enforcement of the border. And it is Texas. Mm. You get what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what they can do. They're on a horse. They could pull out a gun and shoot the people. No one would like that. No one's going to be happy with that. YouTube's not even happy I just said it. <laughs> I guarantee you they're not even happy with that. These freaks in Venice aren't even happy with that, that I said it. But I'm not. <laughs> but what would they do? They're on a horse. What are they going to do? If the people are coming. Now there's people that go, you, you must welcome, like the humane thing to do. And there's an argument about, do this humane thing to do would say, Come, welcome here. You are, you, this is your new home. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with that is that they don't have the resources to do that. All of these states, they don't. And the federal government has made a mess of providing resources for these people when they come here. In New York City, they're sitting on the street. Mm-hmm. The mayor of New York's like, we, we don't have the room, the space, the money. We don't have the resources. So I know everybody wants to say that like these, yeah, dozens of migrants are sleeping at Logan Airport in Boston. There, there isn't, there aren't resources to deal with this crisis right now. And obviously, these are human beings. This is, you know, this is, a, this is a human tragedy. They're not like political pawns. We obviously are funny about the whole situation. That's what we do. But they are human beings. But that being said, there has to be some process by which people come into this country. This is the reason Trump won his first election. This is the reason he might win his second election, because everybody knows that if you're rich, you're not affected by you're not affected by anything. You're not affected by anything. Mm-hmm. Rich people. I've only been rich for a few years. I was broke my entire life. My family was lower middle class. They 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 scratched and clawed to get things. My mother died in a public hospital and my father, my father has a, it's fine. The home, frankly, it's fine. It's nothing to be, they have a water view. I like it. It's not terrible. Uh, It's fine. It's fine. Now, and I, it's fine. Now. So what I'm saying is that when you are rich, what I have noticed as someone who's had, has a little bit of money is where I'm really not affected. Like I'm not affected by this. I don't have kids in school. I don't have to deal with like my my kid uh, uh, broke his leg playing soccer and now we're in a, an ER that's crowded, it's crazy, and there's I'm not affected by this, okay? I'm not losing out on work. It actually only helps me, as it does many rich people that can just, you know, get they get low-wage labor, they uh, are able to hire landscapers, people come do their nails, People can come and uh, do work on their home. Uh, They can have homes built very quickly and cheaply by people that are not being paid American wages to do it. So the benefits to the rich of immigration are a ton. It is actually the middle class and the lower class that bear the brunt of the negative impacts of immigration. Those are the people who are more likely to deal with some of the negative. They have increased competition for work. Uh, The state and local resources are being drained by just too many people. Um, They are dealing with, uh, you know, crowded hospitals, crowded schools. They're potentially dealing with an uptick in crime. Not to say that all the immigrants are criminals, but there are people that come to this country, they don't have skills, and some of those people inevitably are going to have to make money, have to make some type of living um, illegally, like many of our own citizens make a living illegally. So, you know, it's, it's just a situation where... This is the biggest issue. By the way, we, we covered on the Patreon, the Oregon drug stuff, which is also funny too. That's also one of the biggest, I believe the biggest issue issue of the next 50 years on planet earth, besides climate change, and by the way, every prediction I've ever made, I've been correct. Let's be honest. The biggest issue is going to be the mass migration of people from one area to another. That could be due to political instability, economic conditions, climate change. This is all the political upheaval in Europe and America is all directly related to this singular issue that countries cannot take an unending stream of immigrants without some type of backlash from the citizens that live in those countries. This is a fact. People tend to like their countries. They tend to like the way things are. That doesn't make them racist, doesn't make them Nazis. They just like familiarity. They like tradition. They like things the way they are. So the United States has already taken in over 100 million immigrants in the last, you know, 100 years. There's no other country that's absorbed more people from more different cultures than the United States of America. But we have a lot of problems. Everyone knows it. We've got wealth inequality, okay? We've got a small, you know, a concentration of wealth in smaller and smaller hands, we have uh, automation and AI disrupting work. We have uh, a, a tremendous amount of debt uh, from from foolhardy wars we shouldn't have fought. Um, we're maintaining a very expensive empire all around the world. You know, at, at a certain point, you have to wonder about the amount of people that you can just bring in. This is just a fact. This is not... I love different cultures. I come from New York city. I don't care. I don't want to live uh, in a white ethno state. It has no appeal to me. I don't care. You know, I think though that you have to do it in a way that makes people, you know, like understand the cost benefit analysis of, of, of what's happening. You have, you know, people need to understand the cost benefit of it. They have to go, yes, there are some potential negatives. Here are the positives. That's why it shouldn't be an emotional issue. It should just be an issue where it's like, you know, boomers are going to retire. This is real. The boomers are going to retire. Now, they don't want to. They don't want to. And we have some articles we'll talk about later in the show where the boomers actually don't want the world to continue. A friend of mine sent me this border thing. This is so hilarious over Instagram and was basically like, "What?" A-? and the, the, she sent me this article like, are we going to have a civil war? And she goes, what an exciting time to be alive. <sighs> they are giddy at the prospect of the entire American experiment failing and the uh, civilization going dark. Boomers are ebullient at the They are sitting around pubs and casual restaurants and they're sitting at country clubs, and they are actually very excited about the prospect of civilization crumbling because they are at the end of their life. The boomers never wanted their children to have better lives than they did, ever. The boomers were threatened by their children. The boomers viewed their children as obstacles to their own success and fulfillment. This is all in the book coming out. I know you don't think it's coming out. I don't care what you think. It's coming out. It'll be there in the summer. You read it on a beach but this is all true. And the more I observe these boomers, which I have for my entire life, and I'm really keying in on it now, what I'm noticing is that they're kind of a death cult. The boomers are a death cult in the way that radical Islam is a death cult. (laughs) Radical Islam doesn't really have an interest in anybody existing that isn't a, a... the devotee of, the, of what they think and what they believe. Boomers are the exact same way. They are ready to usher in the apocalypse. And they're doing it gleefully. They're holding on all the houses and all the money. You know, we have an article here. 80% of the stock market. 80% of the stock market is owned by elderly people. Boomers. They can sell it and trigger a downturn. Here we go. Your grandma is a downside risk to the stock market. How more old people owning equities could exacerbate a downturn? The boomers are holding the American economy hostage. They're holding it hostage. And they can at any time flood the market (laughs) by selling all their stock, taking all the cash, now, m- many people go, well, they're gonna take it from medical emergencies, and they're gonna say, they're gonna take the cash, and whatever they're gonna do with it, okay, they're gonna like fund some nightmarish thing. It's like pinky in the brain with these people. Like they're gonna take <laughs> the cash out of the stock market so they can build a laser to zap the world. The way that they are going on now refusing to sell these McMansions. they will not downsize they will not give up their jobs biden will not step aside he's 80 80 he's an octogenarian he's elderly he doesn't he's he's foaming at the mouth he's got dementia and, no, and he will not step aside who's that bitch that just died in office was it feinstein mm-hmm. they die in office now these senators and <laughs> congress one article i read one of the Pentagon, by the way, prepared a report. This is to go true. The Pentagon has prepared a report now. One of the threats they talk about bio weapons. They're talking about COVID. Uh, it's on Drudge. This is a new thing they wrote about. How like you know? Here's the threat uh, threats that we anticipate. Okay, here are the threats that we anticipate coming. One of the threats, okay, is. This is great. A new study by the Office of the Secretary of Defense provides a unique window into the views of military planners and how they see future forms of warfare. So now we know COVID. We go da-da-da-da-da. We got COVID. So here, if you go up. So I love this. Okay? Additionally, listen to this. Okay? Additionally, the author's caution against the possibility of government employees replacing their natural eye lenses with artificial ones containing tiny cameras connected to micro-storage devices. The small cameras could collect classified intelligence and leak it to foreign adversaries. Okay, now, the reason that they're worried about this, by the way, come go up a little bit here. They're talking about, in another intriguing scenario, seemingly inspired by the decline of Senator Dianne Feinstein... And this time set in a more distant future, the report suggests that elderly congressional leaders desperate to retain power. (laughs) This is everything I've ever said. It's in this report that the Pentagon has now just come out. The Pentagon is saying the biggest threat to the body politic, to the survival of our country is not climate change. It's not for all its other issues, immigration. It is boomers. Mm -hmm. Boomers (laughs) will not relinquish power. Listen to this. This is actually really fascinating. In another intriguing scenario, seemingly inspired by the decline of Senator Dianne Feinstein, and this time set in a more distant future, and by the way, they mean like five years from now, (laughs) the report suggests that elderly congressional leaders desperate to retain power secretly install state-of-the-art brain-computer interface devices. These devices, commonly used among wealthy senior citizens in this scenario, initially helped the senators regain mobility and speech after years of clear cognitive decline. (laughs) This, by the way is the wildest report I have read in a long time. I read these things so you don't have to. I sift through them. I work hard to take these private planes. You don't think I do. Many of you don't think I do. (laughs) But I'm all the time reading these things and... It's not just something I've read six seconds before I talk about it. I peruse. I go over and over and over and over all these things. I travel the world talking to people. I do interviews with people, migrants, terrorists, Gilbert Goons. I'm all over the world. I'm over the world. I'm not walking around Beverly Hills looking at houses I can't afford. I'm in Yemen. I'm in Yemen with the Yemenis. And I say, look at you, you starving Yemeni. And I give them a little, uh, you know, a little uh, biscuit. These devices, commonly used among wealthy senior citizens in this scenario, help the senators regain mobility and speech after years of clear cognitive decline. However, when the brain implants malfunction, causing erratic and belligerent behavior, foreign allies begin to distance themselves from the U.S., damaging national security. Number one, is this already happening? Number one, number one, thank you, Pentagon, but by the way, are you trying to tell us something? This is literally the report where someone keeps giving you gum. They're like, do you want gum? You sure you don't want any gum? No, no, no. It's not your breath. You just look good chewing gum. You want a mint? Uh, the fact that they would uh, leak a report like this, that they would write a report like this where they go, hey, our biggest threat is old people that will not give up their jobs, old boomers who will not give up power, so much so that these conversations have been had. This is not new. You know, for this to be written, you know for a fact somebody has suggested putting a chip in Biden's head that would allow him to walk out on the debates throwing footballs, shadow boxing. Like they want that guy to have some level of cognitive ability that convinces people he can run the country. So the fact that they're coming out and going, this is actually a threat, this is actually something that's a genuine threat that these people are so power hungry that they don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. They will not leave. They will not retire. They will not go sit by a beach. They're not built to do that. They are built only to destroy. And if they can't, they get very upset. So much so that they will put chips in their head that will allow them to walk around appearing to be normal after years of cognitive decline. So in this scenario, Biden just walks out on the stage with the pep of Gavin Newsom or a younger guy, and you just have to go, ah, good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Wow, he really turned it around. They're basically almost leaking maybe what'll happen in the debate. If he walks out in the debate, and he looks like a 40-year-old like in the way that he's talking and speaking, know that it's, I thought it was going to be a cocktail of drugs. I thought it was going to be Pfizer. I thought it was going to be Moderna or whatever, uh, you know, uh, whatever pharmaceutical company Merck. I thought they were going to whip up a concoction, but the Pentagon's going, no, it's going to be a chip in their head. That's the way that this is going to work. So you're also going to have to contend with this as you get old, you're going to have to force Old And this is going to be unfortunate. Now, here's why this connects to the immigrants. The boomers were supposed to retire and immigrants were supposed to come in and work in the healthcare field because nobody wants to deal with dying boomers in in, uh, hospitals. It's a horrible idea. No person in this country that has any option wants to wipe the ass of a boomer who's dying and complaining in a like a, a state-run facility, which is where many of them will be, many of these boomers are going to be expiring, and they're going to hang on to dear life. You know they're going to be nasty. You know how there's going to be a. You know how there's elder abuse in these nursing homes. This is going to be the first time it's justified, where you don't feel bad for them at all. You know what I mean? Where just some some Spanish chicks going to just punch this woman, this old lady in the face, and you're gonna you're gonna be like, well, you know, this was you know. It, 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 the, the boomers are going to be in these hospitals, right? Calling these people the N-word. Shitting themselves. Complaining about the food. Uh, complaining about their children because their children uh, are going to put them there. And we this is why immigrants were kind of coming in because we were going to let these poor people that are getting chased around Ecuador right now by guerrilla gangs, we were going to bring them into our country and say, wipe that boomer's ass uh, because none of us want to. That's that's kind of what's going to happen. But these boomers, by the way, are like, they're refusing to even... They won't even... It's not even happening yet. Now, eventually it will, because they'll physically decline. There's an inevitability to that. But that's what I mean about immigration. It's like, it can't just be... It's not all or nothing. It's not like we need no immigrants, or we need all of the immigrants all the time, every hour, on the hour. Here they come, and... It's 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 a it's a case by case. You got to look at the world and go. So, but but we do we will need some. We have a lot. We have a, a lot right now. We'll probably need some as the boomers in mass start to physically decline, and because the boomers, you know, are are how many of them are there? By the way, this is something that oh, we should talk in actual statistics here because I'm proposing solutions. A lot of people listen to the show. Very influential. There are 76 million boomers. This is the way you have to sell immigration to the country because I do believe we need some of it. We don't need all of it. And we don't, not in the way we have it now. You have to sell immigration to the country like this. You go, there's 80 million people, okay? About 76 million baby boomers living in the U.S. today. They're all in their 60s, but primarily 70s. And they're all, maybe it's early 70s, a lot of them, they're all beginning to slow down. They're getting crazier. They're becoming threats to the public health. The ones that have positions of power will not relinquish them. We will need immigrants to, you know, ideally put these people in these little prisons We're going to have to drag them out of their homes and put them in these little prisons. That's really the only way these... We're going to call them health facilities, but make no mistake, they will be prisons. And we're going to have to commit, in mass, tens of millions of boomers against their will into prisons run by illegal immigrant Hondurans that are going to have to, because they have all the jails in the Latin America. They know how to do it. They know how to run a prison, these people. (laughs) They do. Who knows how to run a prison? The Dutch. The Latin Americans know how to run a prison. They know there's a certain amount of corruption that's needed and whatever. But boomers are going to have to be committed against their will. Their property is going to have to be confiscated, okay? Uh, It's going to have to be kind of Chairman Mao. It's No, it's not yours anymore, Mom. It's not yours! (laughs) We're going to have to take houses from them by force. Confiscate their property. Confiscate their land commit them against their will in uh state run health facilities health facilities and the reason this must be done is because if it is not done these people will figure out a pinky and the brain style way to destroy our world they will crash the stock market they will do something i don't know what it is i i haven't had that vision yet I haven't taken the ayahuasca needed (laughs) to have the vision. Maybe someone will show me in a dream how the boomers will do, but they will do it. And this is why every article now is like the Pentagon, the Pentagon going, watch them. Watch them, we don't know what to do. I've been talking to them and I've been seeing, um, I've been seeing their attitudes. You know, young people or middle-aged people are kind of nervous and worried about this upcoming year because they think, you know, that things could unspool in a way that wouldn't be. But boomers are kind of giddy and happy. They're at, they're enjoying this. They like it. They like they responded to Nikki Hale, Nikki Haley came out and goes, "Hey, I'm like a boring Republican. I'm kind of what you guys grew up with," and they were like, "Fuck you." Fuck you! Get out of here, you stupid bitch! We don't want you! And in the same way, the boomers on the other side, because boomers, they're apolitical. There are boomers that love Biden and hate Trump, and there are boomers that hate Biden and love Trump. It's not a political movement. And they're the same people, and they don't even care. Politics is the only sport they have left. It's the only one that they uh, care about. Um... There's too many minorities in the other sports for them to get really uh, invested in it. But the, the, the thing is, it's not a political movement. They don't care. The ones on the left and the ones on the right only want to win at the expense of all else, including they, w- they would gladly stand by for the destruction of the country to be right. They just want to be right. They would gladly stand by You know, there are these great, like, episodes, uh, things that uh, where I can't even recall what they are, but I've seen this type of plot device used in many uh, artistic depictions uh, of things where someone's offered immortality for something and they go, no, I don't want immortality. I don't want it. I don't like the cost. You go. You can live forever, but it's like that, the Faustian bargain, that thing of like, hey, you can live forever. You know, being a vampire. You can live forever. You can't go out in the day. You can only go out at nights, and you got to suck uh, people's blood. But here's the good news. You'll be around forever. That's kind of what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a group of people that, doesn't care what happens to anyone else they don't care what happens to anyone else that is why the pentagon the pentagon is is regarding the selfishness of that generation as a national security threat <laughs> as an actual national security threat it's it's really amazing and unfortunate Taco Bell prices, and this is another thing we should remind people, that things steadily get more expensive. That's why it's best to own assets. This is not a financial advice show. Now, $20 at Taco Bell buys you a lot less now than it would have when we all fell in love with Taco Bell in the early aughts. Now, play this lovely woman. This woman here is is reminding us of what we had Sometimes in America, you must look at what you had and lost. And this woman has the courage to remind us because in the great golden age of fast food, in the late 90s and the early 2000s, when we were comforting ourselves in the grilled stuffed burrito while watching our fellow citizens jump out of windows on (laughs) 9-11... We were eating the Wendy's Monterey Ranch Chicken Sandwich bacon in the ranch dressing in a gold wrapper with Monterey Jack cheese, (laughs) eating it as we watched cigarette-smoking girl put uh, young, mostly innocent uh, Arabs on leashes and walked them around Abu Ghraib. (laughs) And we were uncomfortable with that, but we only took comfort in the Monterey Ranch Chicken Sandwich or the... um, honey barbecue chicken wing from KFC that they don't really even have anymore. The great bone honey barbecue chicken wing. We would eat that, okay? While we would watch uh, many of our fellow citizens lose their houses. <laughs> so this woman is reminding us of times gone by. I just found a Taco Bell receipt from 2012. Two beefy 5 layer burritos total. Two fifty nine. Two fifty nine. Can you even get anything from Taco Bell for two fifty nine anymore? Like one item. Where we go wrong? What's great about this? We will never get mad at the poison in the food. Never. <laughs> I'm never mad at it. Bill Burr is. Some people are. I'm never mad at it. I should be, but we never seem to get ang like no one cares. Remember the whole Monsanto thing? No one cared. It was like a couple of rich white bitches from the Malibu. It was like Robert RFK and his crew were mad about it. And like, you know, I respect him, but it never galvanized any public support. Like no one cared. Nope. There was a couple of people in the Pacific Palisades that were like, this is sick, but nobody cared. The rage Is always at the price of the poison. It's never at the actual. (laughs) The rage is always at how much it costs to die. People just want to die for less. That's really what it comes down to. Just kill me for less. (laughs) I know you're killing me. I'm pulling in to a building that is illuminated with light. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. I should be in bed hours ago, but I'm here And there's other people here and we're on a line to be handed burritos through a window so we can eat them. We know you're killing us. Just do it for less. (laughs) How much do you have to pay in this country to get cancer? How much? That's a real question. How much do you have to pay in this country to destroy the bacteria in your gut biome? Can't you just pay? Because she said it. She goes, Where did we go wrong? You used to be able to get two beefy five layer burritos. Get up the nutritional information on the beefy five layer burrito. We used to be able to get two of them for $259. $259, you, you were able to eat not only one, but two beefy five layer burritos. Okay. It has 18 grams of fat. It's a 500 calorie item. So two of them would be a thousand calories. 70 carbs, about 60 net carbs, 18 grams of fat, 18 grams of protein, 490 calories. Now, what this obscures, of course, is that none of the food in it is real. (laughs) This makes it sound a bit better than it is, but it's actually plastic. And Taco Bell's like grade D meat. And it's lovely. It tastes great. But it's D meat meaning I don't think it's from any specific animal, really. It's just whatever they got. It's whatever they got. It's Upton Sinclair, the jungle, old muckraking meat factory, just whatever they got. You know, if they came out with that book today, no one would care. Mm-hmm. They're lying. Taco Bell goes, we use 100% USDA premium <laughs> beef. That's a lie. That's a lie. 12% seasonings. mm Okay. But here's the deal. Upton Sinclair wrote a book about how disgusting the meatpacking industry was uh, in the early days of this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it, it was like a, he was a muckraking journalist. And I believe that that was the title, right? The Jungle? Yeah. And it was about, I mean, it was like Sweeney Todd in there. People's fingers were in the meat, people's earlobes. It was disgusting. I mean... So the jungle led to U.S. food safety reforms because as you look at this photo, these are like Christmas elves, these little kids, (laughs) and they're just making sausages out of whatever they found. Mm -hmm. If there was a dog on the floor, he went into the sausage. Everything was in a sausage in the early days of this country. (laughs) And Upton Sinclair wrote that book. Now, if you wrote a book right now, do you know how many books there are about the poison that we're eating all the time? Walls there are walls of books about how bad it all is but we all lack like no one care i and i don't care so i'm not judging anyone for not caring i'm just saying no one cares no people kind of laugh it off people go Meh. yeah no one cares and it's funny it's just it's just that's kind of a brilliant point the woman just goes used to be able to get two of these you used to be able to eat a thousand calories in 5 minutes mm-hmm. For under three dollars, under three dollars, half the day's calories of garbage, poison food, for three dollars, you know, it's it is a good deal. <laughs> in America, you accept that every corporation's kind of trying to kill you. You accept that the corporations are dumping poison in the rivers and the lakes where you live. They're putting bad shit into the atmosphere. They're poisoning the water. They're poisoning the food. Uh, They're coming up with uh, different ways uh, for you to die, doing different things. And you kind of accept that. You kind of just want a good deal. You kind of want a good deal. We accept the moral compromises you have to make to be rich, and we're all prepared to make them. That's why we accept it. We're all prepared to kind of make the moral compromises you need to make to be rich. Nobody in this country is not wealthy because they're too good of a person. That's, that is that is <laughs> not happening here. There are other countries where that probably plays into it. That is a factor. Nobody in America is not rich because they're too moral. They might be too dumb. They might have had a bad break. There might be a tiny, small, infinitesimal percentage of the population that is not doing well because they are too moral or they uh, are, are, are are too good and they've, you know, they chose to care for their sick mother, whatever. But not, none of the boomers. <laughs> I'll say none of them. Um, we're all kind of, pre- you. we kind of prepare you early on to get ready to make some moral compromises in the world. That's what we prepare you to do early on in this country. That's what, that's part of the ethos of this country. That's what we do. The whole thing's kind of that. So, yeah, we know you're poisoning us and because we would poison us too. We would do it. Like, we get it. We get it. If I had that, I'd poison pe- Like, And that's how you're raised in this cut. Co- you're raised in this country to believe that if you work hard and you do the right thing, eventually you're going to be able to do the wrong thing. That's the. That's really what it comes down to. If you work hard enough, you can kill people. You can kill people too, and you could live in a gated community in Gilbert, Arizona. You can <laughs> fight. You can work hard, but there's just no. There's no rage at the at the poisoning of our food or our water system. There's just not a lot of it. There's not a lot of rage. It's it's a hard thing to get upset about. Because it's, you know, that's the other thing. It's like, you know what people really get upset about? People really get upset about like, like uh, the money they pay to change their flight. <laughs> they hate that. They go, it's $500. And then they'll tell you, they'll brag to you that they actually were able to do as flight change for $75. They beat Delta the least interesting people in the world are constantly talking about how they beat an airline and they were they only had to pay $75 the least interesting most banal people on earth are only concerned with telling you how they beat a corporation out of a little bit of money and they feel like a winner they feel like a winner so that's really what it comes to. It's just an economic analysis across the board of most things. It's not quality of life. It's not longevity or whatever. It's like, I beat the I beat them. I beat them. There was an extra mozzarella stick in this. I won. <laughs> I won. I had a friend who was telling, I have t- two people staying in my house. One of my friends was telling the other, this guy didn't even know him. My friend's little brother said to me, this guy's going. Uh, let me tell you about the flight change. And my friend's little brother's going. What? <laughs> he's going. Well, they want uh, the new flight would be five hundred dollars, but I can change it for seventy five. And he's showing him the app and everything. My friend's little brother's like, "Who is this weirdo? Get away <laughs> from me!" But that's what riles people up. Not knowing they've been poisoned, they don't care. They don't care. I will. I don't care. I, if I was sitting at a restaurant and, they go, and somebody comes up to me and goes, you know, well, this is poison, right? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? Start a farm? Are you going to start farming? What are you going to do? Build a water treatment facility? What is the option? You know, especially if you're broke, what would the option be? How do you fight back against the poison? I mean, you could not eat or you could not eat crap, which is good. You could do your best, and you could do a lot better. Obviously, the extreme examples are like you could cut out the fast food, Mm -hmm. but it's so goddamn, they're so good at marketing that shit. They're so good at marketing that shit. My godson came to my house. Now, he's Chinese. He can't be polluted with this. The Chinese run on a different thing than the others. <laughs> they do. There, there's an efficiency. There, It's it's different. Chinese people cannot be made in, into fatty bun is It's not good. It won't work. Everyone has a different thing, okay? My godson comes to my house in the Hamptons. The Hamptons has fresh vegetables, fresh bread, fresh butter, fresh eggs. They have farms on the North Fork of Long Island. The mother, the mother postmates him chicken nuggets. He's two years old. He's eating postmated chicken nuggets in New Hamptons. I go, let's make him a grilled cheese or something. But he's already addicted to the po he's Postmade. he goes, Nuggets. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's Chinese. This won't work. This this won't do. He needs bok choy, broth. <laughs> Truly. You know that's what he needs. He's to be given broth, bone broth, bok choy, different vegetables, you know, and and yes, he like yes, every now and then he can step into the American genre of food. But there's something I'm sorry, I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying this, and a lot of people are going to be upset about me. I know that we dropped bombs on Japan. I know that we've raped and pillaged the third world. I know that the CIA has backed coups all over the world. I know that we've done all this bad stuff. To me, the most offensive thing we've ever done is when I see a really fat Asian. (laughs) When I see a really fat Asian, I go, what have we done? Have we no decency? Will we never stop? When I see a real supremely fat, I don't mean chubby, we all like a chubby Asian. A chubby Asian is great. But an American style fat Asian where you're worried about mobility. When I see an Asian of that girth, I'm I am I shudder with the horror of what we've done. No, I do. I shudder because I go, it's crazy. The crazy billionaire daughter at the L.A. Times is losing her mind and destroying the paper, which is what uh, the children of billionaires tend to do. (laughs) A lot of people that have successful parents never get out of the shadow of that. This is true. And they're unable to do it. L.A. Times billionaire owner and his family ignited tug of war over paper's future, okay? So the billionaire owner is Patrick Soon-Shiong. Patrick Soon-Shang, his daughter, and the outlet's leadership are being drawn. Uh, as top editor, Kevin Miranda calls it quits. Fault lines between the billionaire owner Patrick Soon-Shang, his daughter, and the outlet's leadership is being, are being drawn over how to run the business. People are upset. The LA Times took out a thing defending the, uh, Hamas, right? Mm-hmm. Saying what? That they weren't really raping people? What did they say there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they, no, they basically were saying that it, it wasn't as bad as, as it was. I'll tell you right now, fa- it's very interesting because who's worse, a woke Asian or a fat Asian? That's an interesting question. Or a fat woke Asian. A fat woke Asian <laughs> might be the worst archetype of person on the planet. A very fat woke Asian. They are, because you can't, because number one, you have reverence for them. Mm -hmm. You have reverence for a fat woke Asian. When a fat, when I watch any fat woke Asian, woke whites, I go out. I'll listen to some woke blacks. I will. But when a fat woke Asian comes out, there's something spiritual about them. And I listen and, and it never makes much sense, but you still listen, but it's terrifying. Is this, is his daughter fat? No, she's she's normal. Get a photo of her. Your character. Uh, Let's get a photo of this woman. I want to know who I hate and why. Oh my god, she seems annoying. She's got the Palestinian flag in her Twitter handle. Listen, she's allowed to support the Palestine people. I don't care. Mm-hmm. The Asians are trying to pretend that they that, that like they've never colonized anything. That's not true. That's not true. It's like it's this thing is like we're turning Native Americans into pussies. It's like they were warriors. They used to kill each other all the time, and that's why they're cool. Sorry, they used to kill each other all the time, and that's why they're cool. You can't make them into pussies. You can't. They were warriors, proud warriors. You cannot make them into pussies. Okay. Uh, I I will not listen to her because I want her to be fatter and I want her to have a cherubic thing i don't i can't listen to her there's uh, it's uh, there is no novelty in a thin woke Asian. give me a fat woke Asian, and i will listen far left fat asian and i'm in i'm in always you make them trans i'll watch it for two hours <laughs> because it's like a pokemon it's a fun pokemon come to life It's a fun Pokemon. That's kind of why people watch me. They're like, oh, he's like some Pokemon villain. These fat Asians are watching me. (laughs) And they're going, you give me a fat white supremacist (laughs) with sunglasses? I'll watch that. We're all curious. Everybody's curious about everybody else here. I have had so many friends that have been telling me about Morgan & Morgan and that they have had great experiences With them, they're the largest personal injury law firm in America. And my friends have been getting in car accidents and falling down the stairs. And, you know, one of them went up the wrong way in an escalator, but it was somehow it was the mall's fault. But here's the point. (laughs) The point is that a lot of my friends are klutzes and clumsy because, but it's not really their fault. It's they're put in dangerous situations all the time, right? And, you know, my friend recently just literally, it became paralyzed from an incident in a frozen yogurt shop. And what I've realized here is that, number one, you're going to get in car accidents. It's going to happen, right? I mean, it's just bumper cars out there. It's so crazy. And with over $20 billion recovered from over 500,000 clients, Morgan & Morgan has a proven track record of fighting to get you full and fair compensation. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is so easy. So if you're out there and things are happening to you, you're in a car, somebody whacks you in your car, you go submit an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan. Life is hard. Submitting a claim with Morgan & Morgan is easy. Calculus is hard. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is easy. Looking your father in his eyes is hard. (laughs) Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is easy. If you're ever injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. Hello? For more information, go to forthepeople.com slash Tim. For the slash Tim or dial pound law pound 529 from your cell phone. That's F-O-R the slash Tim or pound law pound 529 from your cell. This is a paid advertisement. I'm telling you right now, I love Stitch Fix. This year, you can make great style effortlessly easy with Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix stylists just get you. They do all the work, giving you the time to focus on your resolutions and everything else on your plate. Finding new clothes is hard. Oh, I'm leaving, scrolling through countless websites and spending hours wandering through crowded stores in 2023. Instead, I'm transforming my shopping experience with the stylist at Stitch Fix. You go out there and you see people dressed well. You go, how do they do it? And you look at yourself and you look like kind of a bum, like a slob. And, you know, some people can pull that off, but you might want to step it up. Step it up. You want to have what the the kids call a glow up. Stitch Fix is an easy way to get clothes that fit you without having to endlessly browse through options or break the bank. Think of them as your style partner. Your stylist will learn about your taste and collaborate with the, you on looks you love. Here's the thing. You think of like, oh, I can't have a stylist. I'm not Jennifer Lopez. That's what I said to my friend. My friend said to me once, we were having lunch. He goes, why do you look like a slob all the time? I go, well, I'm not Jennifer Lopez. I can't afford a stylist. And he goes, have you heard of Stitch Fix? I said, What? He goes Stitch Fix. They have over a thousand brands and styles and they do the work of choosing the best options for you. They'll even show you how to wear head-to-toe outfits you could just keep getting dressed and go. And if you don't love something, just send it back. I mean, that's amazing. This idea that you have to be a famous celebrity to have a stylist is not true. It, you know, experts, experts, in your look, no matter what your body type is, you know, experts are coming in and they're like, hey, let's transform you. This is a great new way to 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 interface with the world. Thanks, Stitch Fix. They just get me, and they'll get you too. Try today at stitchfix.com Tim, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash Tim. It is a great way to do this, truly. It's the easiest thing out there. Stores, terrible. Terrible. Leaving house, no, no good. Wandering through malls, Stores, you're standing there, it's hours of your day, it's traffic, it's gross, not good. Online, you don't know what's going to work, what's going to fit you, how it'll all come together, how it'll look. You use this service, Stitch Fix, a brilliant service. You're actually working with genuine designers and stylists who can make you look better. The clothes are shipped directly to your door. Shipping returns and exchanges are always free. So basically, this is DoorDash, for your body, this is Postmates for your clothes. It's Uber for it's all of the convenience of those services for your body, for clothing. It's really a revolutionary thing. And they're offering you 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. So try today stitchfix.com slash Timmy. You'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash Tim. timdillandcomedy.com. We're on the road for the next three months, and then I'm off for the rest of the year. Where can you see me? Well, you miss San Antonio, and you miss Dallas. When does this come out? Tomorrow, Saturday. Well, Dallas is gone anyway. Atlanta, Georgia, Saturday. You can come see me. The Tabernacle, a few seats left. St. Louis, Indianapolis, West Nyack, New York. We're in a club. We're having fun. It's about an hour out of the city. If you miss me at Carnegie Hall, if you want to come again, because whatever... Uh, if you are living in that area. Boston, the fourth show at the Wilbur has been added. We've sold that three, or very near it. Very near it. You can get one of those other three. There are a few tickets left. Um, And then the fourth show has been added. Foxwoods, then we're Chicago. We're going to do a club there. Dania Beach, Temecula, Indio, Phoenix, Atlantic City, TimDillonComedy.com for all of your tickets and your needs. Subscribe uh, to the channel on YouTube. We appreciate it. We are excited. Um, and we're having a lot of fun. And we are hopefully bringing things to light that you haven't... You know, and I mean, again, I'm, I'm not going to go into the Gilbert thing all the time. But to, to just pat myself on the back a little bit here... <laughs> What I do, I mean, I'm I'm solving murders <laughs> in my spare time. No, really, truly. People think I'm just like going out here and running my mouth, but the reality is I'm literally solving murders. I'm literally... Making the streets safer for the people of Arizona, a place I don't even particularly love. And I'm out there making things better. And pat on my, hear that? That's a pat on my back that I'm not getting from the governor of that state, Katie Hobbs. Maybe she's in a hair salon. That's where she should be. But no one is called. If I were her, I would call me. I should get a phone call. Mr. Dillon, please hold for the governor of Arizona. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do for the people of the litter box of my state. Thank you for the hot desert hell dirt. We the, from the hell dirt, we thank you, Mr. Dylan, for everything you're doing. Because they, all these people are getting popped now. These uh, kids and their families and... Drugs, they get popped. The family gets popped for drugs. You've known for two months. They already raided the house. Call me and tell me. I'll tell you how to get away with this. I'm for sale. If these motherfuckers are that rich, call me. I'm for sale. I'll help you get away with it. Call me. I am the most underutilized resource in the media. I am for sale. I'm going the way of good now because that's my default. No one's offered, nobody's sweetened the pot. Nobody's sweetened the pot. You give me an Orange Theory Gym, you, you franchise me in a couple of things. Let's talk. I'll have you all around me rehabilitate your asses. I will have your family on my show and we will talk only about fitness. We'll rehabilitate the whole family, but it doesn't come cheap. Doesn't come cheap, okay? So if you're interested, back channel, and I will, and I will have all of you on and we will talk about how great you all are and how you've been you've been uh waylaid by these lies about you. But get the drugs out of the house, you fucking idiots. Are you really you guys really are goons down there? I grew up around great criminals, really smart. Conscientious criminals. My mother rented rooms to drug dealers for years, which made, number one, being a teenager, convenient. But (laughs) they would live in my house. And and my house got raided a few times. Like, cops would come. And you know what people would do? They would remove the drugs. I mean, is it that fucking hard? God! Anyway... The boomers are going to be more dangerous than the goons. Watch.